Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, August 1st, 2021 called Live in Step with the Spirit, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we're in the last uh, last sermon. Oh, and if you're online, welcome. We're delighted that you're here, and we're in this last part of the series. And if you want to catch the previous ones that kind of walk you through the book of Galatians, you can go catch them online, too, on our YouTube channel, just to kind of track through that. So I was really grateful for, for uh, Pastor Chris's sermon last week, for freedom, Christ has set us free. I was really blessed by that. And up here so far in these... Uh, chapters in Galatians, we really have gotten a lot of theology. There's a little bit, there's history and setting and then theology. So there have been these Jewish people saying to these Gentile Christians, these new brand new Christians, hey, you got to be Jewish to really be a Christian. That's kind of the, the summary of Galatians in which Paul goes, what? What are you doing? Why would you go back under the law once you've been released from the condemnation and judgment of the law? Why would you go back into slavery? And so he's been making this case theologically and giving examples from Jewish history and so forth and saying we've been set free by Christ. So that's the condition, that's the statement. For freedom, Christ has set us free. But what does that look like? That's really kind of the question. What does that look like? Now, a favorite movie of mine is... um, and, and actually, it's interesting. I don't know if I should admit this. I really am kind of a Stephen King fan. I'm not a Pet Cemetery fan kind of guy, but Shawshank Redemption or The Green Mile or The Stand, I mean, those are some powerful light and dark and good and evil. There's some, he does a fascinating examination in some detail with people's humanity, with their sinfulness, and also, you know, he's a Christian. I mean, it's interesting. People think you can't possibly be a Christian if you wrote Christine, you know, or, you know, Carrie or something like that. But uh, kind of a fascinating thing. But Shawshank Redemption, I, are you familiar with that movie? And, and if you're not, it really is a worthwhile, it's, it's worthwhile. So it's set, uh, there's, a, there's an accountant who gets falsely accused of murder and is imprisoned. And imprisoned for years, Andy Dufresne. And he's an accountant. It's a long story. But essentially, he's there unjustly. And he tries, he he begins, as years go by, to try to find a way to escape. He is just unjustly imprisoned. And so it begins a long, long process of searching to be free. So he, because he has been there unjustly, he has this constant yearning and passion for freedom. But a couple other key characters in there, Morgan Freeman plays one of the great characters he plays. Ellis is his name. And he's an inmate, and he's figured out the system. He's been there a long time. He always appeals to the parole board to let him out. But they probably don't, probably in that era, partly because he's black. Um, I mean, he also was convicted of crime. He doesn't deny it. But every time he goes to the parole board, they deny him. And so he has learned over the decades to figure out the system. There's an economy in the prison. And how do you get someone a pack of cigarettes? And how do you get them, you know, a beer? And how do you get them extra time in 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 the yard? Or how do you get them an easier job or whatever? And he's worked that out. So he's become very comfortable in prison. It's all he knows. It's what he knows from his adult life. I think he, I think in the movie he's in prison when he's like 17 or something like that. 
There's another character, and his name is Brooks. And Brooks gets paroled. He has a tender spirit. He maybe is, is um, not a high-functioning adult, but, a, but he's pretty, I mean, he was convicted of some pretty horrible stuff. But over time, he has rehabilitated. And he's developed a tender spirit. He cares for little critters, like a bird. He's a good bird, you know, and little critters. And he shows a real tender spirit. And the parole board, after 50 years of being in prison, releases him. And if you've seen this movie, I mean, it's, it, it's a fascinating study. I just, it's a really intriguing one. And Morgan Freeman gets out too, but Brooks gets out and cannot handle freedom. He cannot handle freedom. You would think, right? You would think after 50 years in prison, it would be the greatest day of your life to be able to be free. And Morgan Freeman too, he's in there for decades and he gets released. And these guys who have learned how to make it in prison can't figure out how to make it outside of prison. And Brooks ultimately takes his own life. He cannot handle freedom. He is longing to go back in. In many ways, that is a pretty interesting microcosm or summary of the book of Galatians, where Paul essentially is saying to people, you got so used to being enslaved, you don't know how to be free. That's an interesting point. You know, think about it. Now let me get personal with us in those things that enslave us. You know, pride or appetites or patterns and habits. You know, I think of even in the last year and a half, the kind of habits we developed that almost began to enslave us. And it's almost like, I don't know what to do now. How do I do this? How do I navigate this freedom? So I think it's a powerful, I think it's a question for us to contemplate. Um, So Paul's comment is there's one of two extremes, right? Why are you, who have been so accustomed to slavery, now you have freedom, why do you want to go back into prison? And then to the other group who got out of being free, and then they went nuts, you know, abusing their freedom, doing whatever they thought being free meant I could do anything that pops into my head. And so this is the question, how do we live free? How do we live in freedom without either? Because, you know, being back in prison is pretty easy. You knew where your bed was. You knew where you'd sleep every night. Your clothes got washed for you. Meals showed up on time. You had a little gig. You made a little money. You could work the prison economy if you could know the system. I had a regimented set of rules. It's good to go. And you know, this happens too in life. I mean, I mean, I tell people this is bad. I mean, I, I, I was the youngest. I was uh, 10 years. My, my parents had a couple of uh, miscarriages along the way. I was the miracle baby. Woo-hoo, you know, it's great to live under that. Um, and then... Uh, and so, and I lived in New York City, and so, you know, you parents, right, you get your, some kids, you kind of, I got them under my thumb, right? And when I was 18, I went to college 3,000 miles away from home. That was my goal. I want to be 3,000 miles away from home. And I am thrilled that all the videotapes of the next two to three years are gone. Because once you come out from under the thumb, it can look bad. It can look kind of ugly. Disregarding my parents' wisdom, their values. You know, they got smarter and smarter every year. 
in my mind. Anyway, so we know those extremes, don't we? It's easy to go back to the one, or it's easy to go crazy in the other. So what Paul is trying to do, so I'm just give you three points here on what, because let me commend chapters 5 and 6 to you. I'm going to say this repeatedly, and I'm not trying to be really edgy or anything. I think one of the challenges of, um, of the pandemic is that we lost certain habits, one of them being in the Word, and I want to recapture that. And I will say, I don't talk about being Lutheran very much, but one of the things I like about being Lutheran is we're big on being in the Word. It's a big deal for us. We want to know it well. We want to apply it well. Law and gospel, we want the Word to have authority in our life. So anyway, I'm just going to encourage you to look at chapters 5 and 6 of Galatians. It's really worth looking at. There's three or four sermons there. I'm going to try to give you one answering that question. How do, you, how do we live in freedom? How does the, in those chapters what speaks to it? So let me read a little. And if you have your phone or you have your Bible or whatever, we're good. Chapter 5, Chris preached on that first half of it or the first two-thirds of it. But then I'm looking at the last part. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Right? He's talking about that. When you get free, you can just go nuts. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And then he goes on and talks about this, be led by the Spirit, right? If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. And then he gives a long list of stuff that you shouldn't do. This is all stuff that takes us farther away from the heart of Christ. And it's a long laundry list. You can imagine it, right? I mean, it's things like sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, blah, 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 blah. You know how, why he makes a list like that? It's so that as you're reading it and you go, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, oops. Right? That's why he does that. So that everyone says, uh-oh. At some point, we're all broken. All of us broken and in need of healing only God can do. So that's why that's that way. Jesus does the same thing, right? So that none, none can justify themselves. Nobody boasts in themselves. But then he goes here. Here's where I really want to start. But the fruit of the Spirit, and I had to memorize this through a vacation Bible school song. This is how I had to learn the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? That's so good. That's how I got it. But then there's the tagline. Against such there is no law. What does that mean? So here's, here's what I think it means. So here's point one on how to live in the freedom. Live in freedom. So this is a value of our family that I got from my dear wife. So ours is a family, and if you think this is gross and weird, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> when we would go out to eat, um, you know, we would go out to eat and stuff, and, and she would, you know, we would say, I don't know if it was you or me who started this. Probably me. Hey, can I have a bite of that? Right? Anybody? Anybody good with this? Can I have a bite of that? And so I get a bite of that. Oh, you can have a bite of mine. You could have, and so now, and as a whole family, we developed that. All four of us. David didn't like it as much. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but all four of us would sit around and we'd, and we'd order different things kind of on purpose, you know, so that we could get a bite over here and get a bite over here. And a bite. Some people don't like this. Don't touch my food. Don't touch it. And it relates back because when we first started dating, it was interesting. When I would say, oh, can I have a bite of that? And Teresa would say this, have all you want. I, that's a, it, that is a great, and it became a family value. It became a family value that we tried to teach our kids, have all you want. 
That's an interesting thing to say to a kid, too, sometimes. But it's really interesting because then in raising my kids, it, this became a value I wanted to teach them. Have all you want. I said to her, man, yours are so good. I want to eat yours instead of mine. And she said, it's okay. Have all you want. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, but I might eat like your whole meal. <laughs> and she's like, I'll get more. Isn't that a great line? I'll get more. Now, there were days when we, couldn't, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. There were those days. And she still said it. She still said it. Anyway, that's powerful to me. I don't know if that touches you at all. But have all you want. I'll get more. So we tried to teach that to our kids. So like I give my kids a candy bar and I would test them. I would go, can I have a bite of that? No! <laughs> you know, you can't have a bite of my candy bar. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to teach a variety of things here. You know who gave that to you, right? You know that if you tick off the one who gave it to you, you might not get any more. But if you please the person who gave it to you, there might be four or five more. And it's a hard concept to teach a kid. I think it's a developmental thing. They can't see the future, what could be. It's all concrete, right? And I think we're that way too. I think we struggle with that. Because here's what God is saying in this passage. Here's point number one, have all you want. Don't have all you want to this other yucky, gross, junky things. These are all things that pull you far away from my heart and my will. It will damage others. It will damage you. Jealousy, fits of rage, idolatry, hatred, all this stuff. Don't do it. But this one here from this column, column B, have all you want. There is no law against that. Right? There's law against the other one. No law here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Gentleness, self-control. Did I get them? I think I got them. No law. Anyway, I love that one because God's desire is to do this. God's desire is to say, have all you want there. It will transform you. You know, I've had people over the years say to me, isn't it great that God accepts me just the way I am? And I said, do you think he wants to leave you like that? You know, think about it. If God said, I love you just the way that you are, and I really don't ever want to change you, he would hate us. That would be hateful. I need a whole lot of change transforming in my life. I need a lot. I'll give you an example of this. This is neat. I have been so grateful to have Chris here and to have a partner in crime. And uh, we think more similarly than you, than you think. I'm really thrilled. Chris is going to have a ton to offer us, just a ton of background, experience, skills, and things to bring to the table. But one of the things that I've really committed to for this first six months to a year, and we've talked about it, because with, with Pastor Jim and then Von Bush and then like Pastor Selsley before this, when they came on, I said, hey, I need some help. Can you handle these, this area, this area, this area, this area? I don't want to think about it. And that led to compartmentalization and siloing. And, and there's a culture in a church family, isn't there? There's a feel, there's a tone, there's a way. There's just a way that we talk and we interact and we welcome and we grow in Christ. There's just kind of a way. And it's not that it's perfect, it's just our way. And it's not that it can't change or improve or get better. Chris is going to bring all that to the table too. But a lot of this first one, living in freedom, is this. Transform us and bless us. I want to walk with Chris to give him the culture 
I want to go to meetings together. So together we're talking with our leaders and our volunteers and our staff. I want us to do it together because there's a way. And that's what God says. He says there's a way to live in freedom, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self have all you want. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. And so practicing those things drives out the others. Second point. Second point is this. So what do you think when you fill in this blank, if someone says this to you, number two, shall we dance? So there's a whole bunch of things that come with that, okay? For me, it's embarrassment. I don't know the steps. I don't like my body shape. I don't like how I move. I don't, I don't like to be compared to anyone. I'm wondering what my partner will think. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that go with this. And Samantha and Chris are professional dancers and teachers. I mean, they're the real deal. And so I told them this. I said, I'm hoping to learn to dance from you because I trust you. I don't think you're going to make me feel yucky about me. (laughs) And that's a fear for me. I don't know if it is for you. I don't want to feel yucky about me. And so I'll do other things. I'll just do other things. And so I find this an interesting thing because I think this, is, this affects Christians in their walk too. Is I don't want to be embarrassed, so I'm not going to do that. Or that puts me out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I might look dumb or I might look prideful or I might look... I don't want to do it. You remember the show, um, So You Think You Can Dance? That one? And it was always interesting in the early rounds when they would bring in the contestants because they had to sort through them all. Because a lot of them were just people who liked to just jump around and run around and kind of roll on the floor. There were a fair amount of those people. And they really were not dancers, per se. They just, and they would be, some of them were offended if the judges were critical of their dance. Because it was their own personal expression of themselves. And it's interesting because there's a difference between dancing by yourself and dancing with a partner. And dancing with a partner calls for learning the steps. And forgive me for talking about this. Chris will correct me in coming weeks on anything I say about dancing, okay? Other than the embarrassment I feel, okay? (laughs) So it's interesting when you're dancing with a partner, if you do a waltz or you do a, a, a rumba or a samba or, you know, you do Latin dancing or you do ballroom dancing or whatever it is, you better figure out what your partner's doing. You gotta be in step. So this is point number two Point number two of what it means to live in freedom. What does this mean? For freedom, Christ has set us free. He has set us free to dance. And what's interesting is in our current culture, for many people, set us free to dance would mean I get to go out there and do anything I want and writhe about and fall all over the place. And that's my personal expression of me. And that is not, and that's, I'm not saying that's evil. I'm saying if you think that's the high point and pinnacle of dance, you are sadly mistaken. Because the high point and pinnacle of dance, at least as I observe it, is when you work with a partner. Is when you work with someone else. And here's the powerful imagery that I love that Paul gives. If you want to live by the Spirit, walk in step with the Spirit. So in other words, it's not saying, hey Spirit, I got this dance, you want to join in? It's the Spirit saying, you want to join me? Shall we dance? And the Spirit leads, and the Spirit teaches, and the Spirit corrects, 
And when we're little, sometimes the Spirit lets us stand on his feet as he makes the moves and we follow his steps. This is living in freedom. This is setting us free. Here's my point. I don't dance because I'm ashamed and embarrassed and I think I look stupid. Freedom is me submitting to the Spirit's leading. And then I can dance. And what a dance it will be. It's just like singing in a choir. You can sing any note you want. I guess it's music. I don't know. Until the director leads you and you sing with others to sing a song, to sing in harmony, to dance together. So this is the second part of freedom. I mean, that first one is have all you want of this list. Have all you want. Let it transform you. Secondly, shall we dance with the Spirit as the Spirit leads and guides? And what's cool is this is not lockstep. This is not like goose-stepping Nazis or North Korean military. Every dance is different because every dancer is different and every piece of music is different. But the Spirit remains the same. And so the Spirit leads, guides, corrects, teaches, forgives, and never abandons us. Never abandons. Last point. Third point on how to live in freedom. I don't know if Williams are here. They may watch it online. Marie and their family, they were here last week. I'm so glad to see you. Our prayers continue to lift you up. They had Werner's memorial, and we'll have Chuck's here in a couple weeks. Neat story from Chuck as I met with the family when he passed, when he got promoted, Werner and, and Chuck got promoted. They told us a story. Uh, Chuck was a mountain climber. So he climbed Bora a bunch of times, highest peak in Idaho. Anyway, he climbed Bora and uh, did lots of mountains and did lots of camping with his kids and taught his kids. And they were back, they had him on, you know, he, he was hauling them everywhere all over Idaho when they were little. And the story that they told that, that really seemed to engage the whole family and just made them really tender was a story with, they had a, a, a dog. It was, I think it was a St. Bernard's, 120 pounds. And the dog made it up the mountain and could not make it down. And the kids were all little, and Chuck put that dog on his back and carried that dog all the way down the mountain. And they just talked and talked and reminisced. By the way, let me correct something online, too. I don't hate dogs, okay? Everybody going around saying, I hate dogs. I'm not a dog guy. Like, I don't like dogs to bite me, right? Or poop on my lawn. I don't like that. But dogs are just fine. And this story was tender. It was so tender. And by the way, a number of you have told me over the years about when you've lost a member of your family, when a, you know, one of your fur babies. And it's powerful. It impacts you. They're companions who love you without conditions. I get it. Don't get me wrong. So we're all built a little bit differently. But please don't think that I hate dogs. Please. Because this story was powerful. It carried that 120-pound St. Bernard down the mountain all the way down. And this is point number three. You know what it means to live in freedom of Christ? is to bear one another's burdens. Now that sounds like a paradox and an oxymoron. Sounds like an oxymoron. How can that be freedom if I'm bound to you? How can it be free if I'm bound to you? I'm sharing your burden. Now you know I'm a Lord of the Rings geek because it's one of the most powerful scenes in all the movies to me is when they're in the last scenes and Frodo has to get that ring into the mountain, 
got to get it into Mount Doom, into the volcano. And he can go no further. He can go no further. And they can see the destination. They can see the culmination. And his dearest, dearest friend. (laughs) This is stupid. These stupid stories make me cry. They're great stories. And Sam, his dearest, dearest friend, says, Okay, Mr. Frodo, I know I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. And it's the heartbeat of the whole story. Because from the first step, they are together, bearing one another's burdens. And they carry this great burden to culmination. And it is the story of legend. It is the story of victory. Here's the interesting thing to me, and I didn't say this in the first sermon, so I'm hoping some of my 830 folks can listen to this, because this is important. You know why it's freedom to bear one another's burdens is freedom? Because when we share our burdens, here's the problem I find in church. Isn't this interesting? This, This never makes sense to me. And it only makes sense if church is a place where we put on our happy face and pretend to be good and happy and nice. If this is a place of pretending. Then it makes sense that when bad things happen to me, I don't come to church, I avoid church. This happens countless times. People go through difficult moments in their life and they stop coming. Now maybe it's because they think God let them down. But I would love to have that conversation anyway and still walk with them. But a lot of times, and don't you think it's, I'm embarrassed or people are going to ask me questions I don't want to answer It's just hard to be there. And I want to say, please, 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 this is the place to be. This is where you go when you have a burden so that we can bear it together. This is why it's freedom. Because if I'm able to say to you, I am not equal to this task and I need your help, it takes away all the guilt, all the shame, all the embarrassment, all the baggage, and you are free. That's the shared burden. The shared burden sets us free. Because together, do you think there's any of us who are perfect? Do you think there's anyone who hasn't experienced loss and shame or guilt and wrestled with our demons? And yet, thanks be to God, there's Christ, who as the author of Hebrews said, he's the one who bore our burdens. He's the one who continues to come to us and says, give me your burden. As Pastor Chris said, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Because Jesus is the one who bore your burden. Jesus is the one who went to the cross alone so that you would never have to be alone. He's the one who bore that burden and continues to do so. So there is no guilt and there is no shame. Because here's what the author of Hebrews says. Let me just finish with this one. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, bearing your burdens, that he might be seated at the right hand of the glory of God. For the joy set before him bore your burden. And so we rejoice in that great good news so that it is in that freedom, the freedom of Christ, that we are truly set free. To God be the glory. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.